Welcome to the Performance Therapy Institute podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Pulse, physical therapist and personal trainer at Performance Therapy Institute in Bangor, Maine. In this podcast, I interview health and wellness professionals that love what they do, or really anyone else that is interesting to me. We find out the how and the why they do what they do at work, how they continue to learn, and some information they feel would be helpful for you to improve your own health. In this episode, I get to talk with Camilla Cantelli. She's had over 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry. She gives us some insight into the changes she has seen in the industry, as well as her own personal experiences with discovering working out. We also dive into confidence, depression, and working out too much. Enjoy. All right. So with me today, it is my pleasure to be talking with Camilla Cantelli. Uh, she is a personal trainer and I mean, much more than that with the various conversations uh, we've had online. Uh, we've met in person once before at a course a couple of years ago. She's down in Southern Maine in Elliott, Maine, right? Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, uh, which I just found out recently, and I'm very excited to be sharing the same state as her because she's an absolute asset to her community and all of her clients that she works with. Uh, but I, I had the pleasure of, of talking with Camilla a couple of weeks ago. We spoke on the phone and I was just like, wow, she's just has so much insight and she's had so much uh, just different changes in, in her life and in her profession. And she really brings that to the table when she works with her clients. And I just thought it'd be a, a, a great share for everyone uh, listening to, to be able to hear her story and sort of her journey with this. So uh, Camilla, do, do you mind just doing a little bit of introduction where you're at and what you do? Of course, and that's great what you said. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I am um, at this point, mostly I'm a consider myself a strength coach mm-hmm. um, more so I like to teach people how to move better but I have been in the fitness industry for over 25 years which kind of makes me old <laughs> uh, and so um, yeah. I think that something I missed telling you about on our phone call was the exciting thing about being in the fitness for this long is that I really saw um, I lived the evolution of it I, I did not realize it was 25 years. No, I, I did not know that. I know, I know. It's just um, the way I started as an aerobic instructor, it mm. just, uh, you know, group fitness aerobic, like from the 90s, think about bodybuilding and I don't know, Arnold mm. and Jane Fonda. That's kind of how I came about fitness. And the way it is now is completely different. Mm. It's amazing, the evolution. I would imagine in your case, you've, uh, you've probably seen a couple of different swings or transformations rather than it just being sort of like a linear thing. I'm sure you've seen some like dips and return of some other stuff. And, uh, but I suppose with the internet now, it's sort of a different ball game. It can, the industry can exist as multiple things at one time, I suppose. Yeah, there was no internet then, at least not for me. I really lived on the internet gig. So I think I got my first computer when I moved in the United States, which was, um, I moved in 1999. I think I had my first computer, my first internet in, in 2001 or something. Like that. And where, where'd you move from? 
I moved from uh, from Italy. I'm from Rome, Italy. That's where I grew up. Mm. That's where I started teaching my aerobic classes. Oh, okay. So you you started uh, yeah, in I Italy. Started, yeah, yes. I started in, when I was about my mid twenties, and um, I really had no direction in life at that point. And I can I, say fitness totally not just changed my life, but possibly saved my life many times. Um, as in. So like, so you had this sense where like, you didn't have much direction and, and fitness sort of gave you that direction? Yeah, I had none whatsoever. I was really good until uh, the end of high school. And then after that, I was lost. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go. My parents were pushing me to follow my dad's direction who had an insurance company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I struggled and went to economics, engineering school, failing all of those. And I found myself being spending so much time at the gym, taking aerobic classes mm-hmm. that at some point I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a certification and see where that goes. And here I am 25 years later. 25 years I, later. I was a um, chubby, insecure person mm-hmm. and fitness just gave me confidence and mm. got me out of my own head i i struggled with depression and eating disorders in my mm. younger years and honestly if it wasn't for fitness i might not be around i realized like it, fitness i mean movement exercise is the biggest antidepressant ever made and mm. i just i try to push that with people so much i talk about it so much because especially right now with the mental illness epidemic mm-hmm. is so important. What did you What did you feel like was the? I guess can you go a little bit more into like how the confidence sort of increased just in in in, in general, like before you started working out. Like what was it? What was that sort of original transformation like? Well, um, I grew up without playing sports very much i was the chubby unpopular um girl in school Mm. for most of the school years until i was about probably like 17 which in italy we finished school about 18 or 19 years old it's a little bit longer than it is in the united states yeah and in the last two years of high school is when i started actually i was cutting school to go to the gym imagine I wouldn't tell my parents, I would say, I'm going to school and I'll go and spend hours in this gym. My dad used to pay membership for me. And um, and that started getting me a little bit more of the confidence that I was lacking. And even when I started fitness, I was too personal, it's crazy. I started teaching aerobic classes. And once the music, I would just put the cassette in my stereo and the music started and I had people in front of me. I turned into a different person. I wasn't afraid of being in front of people. Um, you know, I was confident. I was directing a class full of people older than I was. And and then the music would stop. I go back to be my my insecure, you know, chubby girl, which I grew out of it. Yeah. So that's how it started. It felt good. It felt good to do it and it felt good to make people smile. For some reason, I guess I attracted people right away. Mm. Um, I was slacking in a way that they started liking my classes from the get-go and that mm. gave me a little bit more confident. And that's how I, I started. It's almost like you had a, like an alias, almost like a... That was just like an alias. You know, people met me outside the gym. They mm. never thought that I would be 
that person, that fitness instructor on, on the podium or whatnot, right? Talking yeah. and smiling and goofing around because I wasn't that person at that yeah. time. So I was not. And so, and so this originally was when you're growing up, when you're still in Italy. When I was still in Italy, yes. Okay. Yes, and fitness is one of the things that brought me to the United States. Yeah, it's, I, I'm already, I, I love how your, your sort of professional and personal journey are, are, are very intertwined. Yes, um, so much. Yeah, so, so you moved from, from Italy to the States. And, but it, it wasn't originally planning on being like a long-term move, was it? No, no. actually I went, um, I went to Miami because, and we're talking about 1999, the end of 1998, mm-hmm. 99, there was a fitness conference that I was interested in. And, you know, it's for group instructors. So I was just going and taking like crazy amount of classes, I mm-hmm. classes, all kinds of styles to, to learn step aerobics right choreography style and all that and um so i plan on staying a couple of weeks to miami and at the end of that two weeks i actually called my parents and i said hey i'm now coming back tomorrow (laughs) which didn't go really well i mean i'm laughing now but i wasn't laughing then because my parents got really upset and um, yeah the job as a waitress Mm. in the meanwhile with my broken english i would just go gym to gym to gym to say, hey, I'm a fitness instructor. If you guys need a substitution, here I am. And that was like the luckiest thing was actually I walked into this gym in Miami Beach. That's yeah. where I was living at the time. And, uh, you know, my usual, I am a fitness instructor, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you know what? Our main instructor broke his wrist or arm or something. That His name was David. Um, just a couple of days ago. So yes, we're stranded. Can you start teaching like tomorrow? And I was, oh my God. So that's how I started. I didn't speak much English, but mm-hmm. all I needed literally for teaching aerobics was counting from one to eight and back, right? And then just, just use my hand, my hands and whistle. I used to whistle. So this guy, David, the instructor, used to call me the little bird. Come here, little <laughs> bird. I whistle everywhere. And um that's how my journey in the United States started. Yeah. Just out of, out of curiosity, had like at that point, had you, had you lost weight by the time you had moved to the States or? Yeah. Yes, at that point, you know what, actually, I, from, from being chubby and overweight, I started, um, you know, not eating much, losing mm. weight, get more confident with my body, eventually started struggling with eating disorders. Mm which I did for over 15 years. And for 15 years? Yep, 15 mm. years. Um, and again, fitness just, I think it's the key. It's what got me out of it eventually, it gave me enough confidence to not be so stuck on the, the look, the appearance, mm-hmm. and then become stronger physically helped me. I think, I think that's what did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, uh, when people are, are patients and, and they sort of tell their stories, whether it be weight loss or, or whatever it is they're after they've had their first introduction to fitness and, it, and often it's like later in life, be like in their thirties, forties, sometimes fifties. And, and they sort of are talking about their, 
their first few years of their journey and and they spend a lot of time in the gym so much so right that's why they're like not not saying that because they went to the gym a lot that's why they're seeing me but for whatever reason they've come in and it seems that there's some sort of interference and it's one of those things i I have to, uh, I always like the challenge of it. Cause I love that they've like made this transformation and that they found this, this new love in the gym and the community of the gym. And then themselves is like, they found this new person. Yeah. And then the tricky part, you know, for, for my job is being like trying to them to get to know me, I'm getting to know them, but I'm trying to do it quickly because they don't want to come see me a bunch, which is makes sense. And then at the same time, trying to like, you know, trying to have the conversation of, of it's almost like a, a, a new part of their journey where they realize, hey, it's not just more time, more energy, because energy is finite, right? It's not infinite. So yeah. e- each day you need to be able to consider a program that's, you know, so sometimes it's almost like they have to rediscover another part about them that they like that's not just working out. Um, and so I, I would imagine, you know, even you and I have spoken before where I'm sure at some point that, that, that comes across in everyone's sort of initial journeys, they find this new love with fitness is it's like, Hey, I can just get all of this, like as much as I want, yeah. you know, and then, and then you realize it's not, there, there's a certain sweet spot of working out where like, yeah, this is good. But then anything more than that, it's kind of like a bell curve. It sort of comes over the edge there. Absolutely. Do, um, was there a point where that sort of happened to you or, or not, not really? Exactly that the overdose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fitness, like everything else happened Mm -hmm. to me. I have learned that recently though. Um, it took me a while because at that point, you know, when I, I lived in Miami and I was teaching, I was teaching like a crazy person. I would have days where I, I taught maybe five classes and mm. I actually did the classes with my students. Mm. So that was my thing. I love, I enjoyed it so much until the music was going. I was the energizer bunny and then mm. I would collapse at home. <laughs> I never realized that I was running myself to the ground because I had no life besides from fitness. Right. But it was the moment of being there in front of my students that made me feel so much alive. Mm-hmm. I have this, uh, this memory. This is just crazy. I think it stuck to me, into my brain. I was teaching a gold gym at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was going through really a dark period of my life, a depression, and just don't want to be living anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember every single time I would walk out of the gym after teaching my two or three classes, I would look up in the sky, literally like, life isn't bad after all this is great I feel good I know that it's going to be fixable no matter what it is I remember that like it was yesterday it just gave me this this energy this this drive like getting rid of this black cloud that was around me and it was temporary you know then the next day maybe I'll be in the dark cloud again but the moment I, I, I always said I was glad I had to show up for other people. And I always felt I didn't want to call in and say, I'm not teaching today because I don't feel good. I felt this call. I felt people were waiting for me. And so I would show up and at the end, magic happened. So that's how I I really got into also um, training people because I really wanted to share this feeling, not so much what happens to your body outside, but what happens to your body inside when you move. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's almost like a... And I, I strayed completely from the question, I just realized. Yes. No, 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 no. I, it's, that's fine, it was, that wasn't even necessarily what I was, was that, that, that was just such a great answer, uh, an, an interesting idea. I hadn't even thought of, because I've, I've treated a lot of group instructors and I'm, I'm glad you said that because it gave me a little bit more insight as to the sort of meaning that that gives their lives to be in front of of their clients because um, obviously the clients love it I treat them all the time and they love it they can't wait to get to class yeah. you know and I, and they can't wait to be in front of you you know and they, they can't wait to see their friends but they, they can't but then they can't talk enough about their the instructor and the music and the energy so so no that's that, that it's interesting to think that it goes the other way around yeah, it gave me a purpose it kept it kept me alive literally yeah. i had this, this purpose i realized i had a purpose and that was my call mm-hmm. and that's why i stuck to it for 25 years you know and obviously it evolved i don't teach very many classes anymore back to your question i probably have many injuries just because i run myself to the ground you know that i didn't know the dosage so think about maybe like 25 hours of workout every week for many many years um and on top of that maybe i would add my own personal workouts and no wonder i felt like crap on a weekend but you know mentally it helped me so there's there's the balance the scale i guess and now, yeah. now I know better, and I always tell people, I feel like fitness is just like taking medications, right? You can take two Advil for headache, and it's good, and you take your bottle, and it kills you. Mm-hmm. Um, exercise can be the same. It can be addictive, just mm-hmm. like pills. Uh, I was addicted to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get older, you learn so much, and I feel like I'm sticking around because um, I, I made some changes, and I've learned a lot. And I have all the bruises and scars to, you know, prove it. But um, it's the learning curve of life. Yeah. Yeah, and in in the rehab end of things, I think, because I know I I would pummel myself into the ground. I wasn't doing five hours. Well, no, there was there was a summer I was, I would do like two hours in the morning and out, you know, another hour at night, and then I play basketball for a couple hours every day and then i'm pretty sure i gave i gave myself some some significant lower extremity issues uh that now i would see as red flags uh if, if it was a patient coming in but uh so how did how did sort of this how did this sort of what was the first sort of morph if you will from sort of the, the group training high volume to sort of going into um, working a little bit more uh, in smaller groups with people. Yeah. yeah. What was sort of, uh, when did that happen? And, and what, what was what was the move that sort of initiated that? Well, like we kind of spoke a little bit on the phone. It happened late, later, later. I moved to New England in 2009. Mm. Um, and, um, and I was teaching classes. I mean, I started all over. I found places where I was able to teach. I started my group classes. Um, I had some injuries. You know, I wasn't like a spring chicken anymore. And I was overdoing it again. I had some knee injury. And then I had a surgery. 
I, that was in 2013. And after surgery, I started developing so many issues with my neck and my right shoulder. Um, they were debilitating. I had to stop teaching some classes. I couldn't sleep at night. It lasted for many, many months. And I went the traditional way at first. I went to doctors, doctors sent me to traditional PT. I had this PT down to my neck. They were just like cracking my neck, stretching it, and the usual stuff, but it never helped. You know, they took x-rays. They said, yeah, your neck is highly degenerating, like kind of a lot for your age, but that's probably the reason why you're having so much pain. And, uh, you know, we could give you a cortisone shot. They gave me pills. For some reason, I didn't really like the answers I was getting. Mm -hmm. And um, I became curious and I started digging some big digging into the internet to try to find some answer myself because I wasn't getting better. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got into this rabbit hole of um, intertwining fitness and PT. You know, I got my first research pointed me out to um, one of the shoulder guy, I suppose, Eric Cressy, shout out to him because he helped me a lot. And, yeah, um, yeah, Eric Cressy's okay. I'm just kidding. He's he's very intelligent. He is. I mean, also he was the one that got me in touch with Michael Marlin, hmm. and we could talk hours. Shout out to Michael because he's an amazing therapist and an amazing human. And. Um, with these two points, I started digging more and more, experimenting, realizing that the body is amazing, uh, compensating, but it also it's a machine that works, doesn't work in single pieces. So it wasn't the neck, my issue. Mm. Um, it was way deeper than that. It took me a while to figure it out, but relearning how to breathe, relearning how to move, help my pain I, at some point it was gone i'm thinking about it now it has been so long that i don't remember honestly how bad it, i know it was bad because i was taking medications for it but i don't remember how bad it was and um and that was the beginning kim that was the beginning of my realizing that i didn't know shit literally sorry um you know that's that's when i when i was just teaching mm -hmm. and my bootcamp classes, I thought I knew it all. I was a little bit arrogant at some point. There was one of my, one of my students, I mean, the classes were fun, they were packed. One of my students, uh, not too long ago actually, reached out to me and we were, we were just talking and she said, you know, remember when you were teaching all of those bootcamp classes, I used to call you Mini Mussolini <laughs> because you, you knew it all. And I never knew that, but looking back, I can't understand why. I mean, I'm Italian, so. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> I know. That, that was funny though, that she pointed out, that was actually this past winter, you know, she mm -hmm. told me that. I thought, oh my God, that's how people saw me. Um, <laughs> now I know that I didn't know shit. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, there's so much to be learned. Mm -hmm. And I, at this point, I'm humble enough to recognize I don't know much. Mm -hmm. and yeah. that I think pushes me to never stop I'm curious about everything and I wasn't when I was younger I mean I reached a yeah. point where I thought I knew and I didn't need to be curious and yeah. this, this neck issue and finding out about first Eric 
and then Michael and Michael Marlin actually spoke about PRI, which I had no idea what that was, mm. but um, I started digging into that, learning. I never took a PRI course. What I know about PRI comes mm. from from him and come from um, Zach Kappos and mm. Pat Lindstrom and obviously Bill. Mm. But it just opened my my mind to different things, to the fact that there are more important things that that are inside here, more so than in the extremities. Mm. And I started realizing I was pleading wrong and how important it was to address that as a foundation. Yeah. That's what helped me really fix my pain with my neck. And yeah, because you were... I mean, there's two big moments I can remember in my life when I had the, you know, to, to paraphrase you, the, the I don't know shit moment, which was uh, one, I, I know I've, I've spoken about probably at nauseum for some people uh, with my chronic vertigo that I had and, and I would go to my primary care doctors and they actually were trying very hard to help me, like the, they wouldn't give up on me and uh, and the kid wanted me to do lifestyle changes and I being 24 and having my doctoral degree in PT, I was like, no, it's probably some virus. You need to give me some antiviral or something like, so I think about the patience that they had with me and I'm like, wow, <laughs> they had, a, they had a lot of patience with me, but so, you know, fortunately my vertigo went away after my doctor finally suggested I go gluten-free, uh, and it went away after having it for like six months and it went away in 48 hours. Uh, that was the first one for me of insert foot and mouth situation. And the, the big, the second one, it was, I was in the room with you with that couples course. And, uh, I had just finished my, like my second sort of fellowship program. So I had done another three years after PT school, more traditional learning, uh, type stuff and a lot of hands-on training. And, we were just sitting there watching uh, Zach Couples at his Human Matrix course in Boston. So this would have been, I, I remember the month, I remember it was October of 2019. And he just was teaching someone who was pretty stiff. Uh, so he put his arm down to the side of the table and the arm stopped like just shy of raising above the table. So he couldn't even get the arm all the way, you know, below his, his thorax essentially. Uh, and he what spent less than 10 minutes giving him some breathing cues he took maybe four or five like breaths that were closer to what he wanted him to do and the guy picked up and his arms like dropped off the side of the table <laughs> and the thing that was so convincing about it too is the fact that Zach couples wasn't even surprised not a wow look at that or anything else it goes yeah so you know here's 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 what happened here and let's go check the other side oh not as big of a change there you know nothing home right about there but that's okay we only did four breaths basically and in my head i'm like i just <laughs> i'm like not saying that everything i had learned was was wrong i just there was a lot of things that i had to reconsider right like you're sort of talking about so you know, and, and it seems like a lot of people's paths on this are, um, or sort of they had a lot of their own injuries, their own chronic stuff, right? And that was sort of with me with, with going gluten-free. And, but for me, it was like seeing something that seems so benign, 
of someone being able to put their arm down to the side because that was a test I did on ev almost everyone that came in. I, I tested their shoulder down to the side. I, I would check their neurodynamics of how much their nerve can move down their hand, which is still, still definitely a big part of my assessment. But to see someone's arm and their neurodynamics change that fast just blew me away. Um, so I, I, I remember almost everyone that was in the room with me. That's how big of a deal that like moment was for me. And then COVID hit and then it, it gave me an opportunity to, you know, to reach out to him and, and, and get in touch with everyone else, you know, including you as we sort of come full circle uh, and into this, you know, meeting in Bill Hartman's uh, sort of group there. But yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I've been there. I've been the know-it-all. Yeah, well, I think it's part of the process of growing up, right? And we have to, that, that's a phase that everybody goes through. Some people get stuck to the phase and luckily we grow out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing about growing older, I, I enjoy the most is just the change. Mm -hmm. How you turn into different person and I honestly like the person I am now better than the person I was when I was younger yeah yeah I mean I like you I don't know who you were younger so <laughs> <laughs> what is um so do you do you work closely with other healthcare professionals like any other PTs or, or chiropractors or doctors is there anyone that, that you get to team up with lo locally or? I don't. The only person I use, I recommend to all of my clients when they have some issue that are beyond me because I'm not a physical therapist, it's Michael Mullin. I'm mm -hmm. like, so happy to have him in, my, in the numbers and yeah. I can recommend. And most of my clients that have some issue actually went to see him and they came yeah. back excited. Yeah. As I say, I, I recommend patients to, I have someone else that's going to see him. So it's, I do the same thing. <laughs> it's great to have him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know very many other providers in physical therapy. So yeah. In my, in my what are, wood. Yeah. What are, what are some of the, I mean, cause I know you, you're, you're easy to talk to and you're, in, in, in your one to not get easily frustrated, at least with someone in front of you when you're, even if you are, it seems like you're very good at keeping the energy mellow if they're not catching on to it. Is there something, are there any like frustrations that you have with like other the medical field or, or other PTs, whether it doesn't have to necessarily be an approach, but, but maybe ju just a way of of trying to communicate with them sort of to, to, to help your clients? Like is, like, is there, is, cause I would imagine it must be a little frustrating given the depth of knowledge and all your experience that you have and to feel like you can't, that you, that you don't even have local, local connections to be able to like team up with, with, with your, with your clients. Is there anything that, that you, that you would just like to, to share in terms of like, something yeah. that you would like to see differently? Well, as far as the providers go, um, it's definitely the being close-minded. I feel like sometimes, and I'm not making, you know, not talking about everybody. There are great providers out there, great 
trainers, great coaches, great physical therapists and doctors, but many I came across along the way are established. I guess they're good at what they do and they have these blinders. So I, I feel like they don't have the curiosity, maybe because they don't have the need for it, to look outside their scope and, um, and realize things have changed. Oh, there's so much more. And you, you don't necessarily have to agree with everything, but I, it makes you think. It makes you open up your mind. You know, if I never made that step, I'd be still teaching boot camp classes and being that mini Mussolini that I used to be in. Probably I wouldn't be able to fix help i don't fix anybody but help people move better and live a better life mm. because of that you know when i realized i didn't know anything about fitness really i don't know if you didn't know anything about fitness no, I, I did, but i did know very little and it was very stagnant at that time mm. what i knew um, i realized that it's to me it's fantastic the direction fitness is going and it's the way it's integrated with physical therapy it's, it's fantastic if you are catching it you know if you're on the train or the right one it's amazing because we can do so much more to help our clients and ourselves yeah just less testimonial yeah it's sort of interesting to think about the line between what is what is rehab and training and in my head now, it, it doesn't really feel like there is one. Yeah. It's, um, and from a, it's not a, a line anymore. It's no. a transition. Mm -hmm. and I would use the word that Bill uses a lot. There's gradients mm -hmm. where you are a coach with some gradient of PT experience. It's not that demarcation anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even, and the other thing is too, is when you get to, when I've gone to go watch or, or, or pay to be a client with someone else, that's either a performance PT or a performance coach. And I'm thinking, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, I read articles and I, you know, I get the principles of it and you go and watch them do their thing. And I'm like, never mind. <laughs> Uh, like one of the other guests, you know, I had on here, Zach Fendrick, and he's, he's a young PT and I shadowed him for, for a day. And I was like, wow, this is a skill set. He is very good at, and he's very humble about it. But, and it's funny because I, I told his patients and they're like, oh, like, you know, where's that you work? Well, I'm up in, I'm up in Maine, but let's just say if I was running your session, you would smell the BS very quick. Uh, Cause it's, but again, like he's also a PT. So even in, in the world of PT and, and training, it's, I mean, like in the States, it seems like the only, the only thing that sort of marks the big difference is, is how much you can put your hands on someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's like at this point. That you can do a lot without putting hands on your clients. So much, so yeah. much. I mean, that's the sort of the whole point of, you know, I have a online client tonight, you know, so I can't put my hands on them. Um, our COVID taught us so much. Didn't yes. I, I never thought I would be able to coach people, um, you know, through a screen instead of, I'm always being a, in person. Right. Coach. And then you realize, you know, I can do it. You actually sometimes see things better through a screen. I never realized that you miss in person. Yeah. Yeah. Like I take videos and pictures of, of my patients all the time. And 
I'm, I say it laughing, but I'm, I'm actually, is actually how I feel is by taking the picture. I've looked at pictures for so long now that I feel like I can pick up more by looking at a two-dimensional picture because it just creates constraints. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's very little context or, you, you know, if you can keep taking the picture and they're in the same spot, then they, then the, you create a constraint that's able to see the changes within that two dimensions, yeah, uh, which is, I don't know about you, but I, I laugh with them. Like I've looked at so many pictures and videos now. I honestly feel like I pick up more looking at the screen than I do just yeah. watching someone in person. Yeah. It's just a completely different perspective when you mm -hmm. look at it into a screen. And sometimes you notice things you don't see in person. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. You almost like, like don't... COVID helped us in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Personally, you know, if you're able to open your mind and change things, which it took me a while, I have to be honest, because I was at the beginning of no i'm not gonna do it i'm not good at it and then uh, circumstances was you know COVID was lasting so long that i had to reinvent myself yeah um, whenever there's a change i think there's always something to gain yeah yeah it's um uh, i remember pat davidson had uh for those of you that don't know who pat davidson is he's a he has his own business uh he He's out of New York. Um, he's a he's a strength coach, but he also has he's he's a great teacher. Is actually his background is in education as well. Um, he's just a super smart meathead, and uh, I actually haven't spoken to him or taken his classes. But I the the stuff that he does, I I think is fantastic for the industry. Uh, but he did a podcast with with Encore. Uh, if you see him on social media, it's Fractal Biomechanics out of, uh, he's out of India and he did a podcast and, and, and at the very end of the podcast, Pat Davidson had one, had one thing that he said, and it was, he was, if there's anything that I've, I've learned in my life is that whatever feels uncomfortable, like my body's telling me, my mind's telling me I shouldn't do that. I should probably go do that thing. Um, and at, when I heard him say that I didn't, I mean, I had just started this business, but then realizing there's so many things of doing this business that are very uncomfortable, like starting this podcast and putting stuff on social media and talking to just random strangers that might just say no to you and don't want anything to do with you. But, you know, the more you do it, the more you realize it's, it's not really a big of a deal. So, you know, sometimes when you get working out and you're starting your own fitness journey, it's okay to like not have it be perfect like go do not enough go do too much you'll heal it's okay <laughs> just yeah, when you I, need help we can guide you because um the thing i took i actually took a, a mentorship i did a mentorship with pat oh nice um i think it was two years ago or last year yeah um what i picked up i mean i pretty much sucked at it and I realized that the thing I learned most from him is that we have to get ourselves uncomfortable. It mm. made me feel really uncomfortable during those weeks. Mm. Um, I had to get out of my comfort zone a lot and that was a big, big, big teaching moment or learning, I guess, teaching from him, but learning. 
what kind of stuff did you have to get uncomfortable with? Like just in terms of movement or thought process? No, not or? at all. It was more like a thought process. Mm-hmm. It was more like, you know, this mentorship had, I think maybe like 30 other people that sign up and we mm-hmm. were teaming in group with people. We didn't know each other. We were scattered all over the world with these people. Yeah. We were supposed to, you know, arrange meetings to do our our task that we were asked to yeah and i kind of shy away from all that because i'm not super social i didn't notice people i didn't feel comfortable in integrating with them or sharing my thoughts with them and i got schooled because i didn't do well i actually did really bad and i realized that that's what i, I realized about while well, i was thinking to go into this mentorship and picking up drills yeah but it wasn't about drills it was about getting out of your comfort zone that was just a big moment for me yeah it's uh it's scary yeah we start to notice you're you're still alive on the other side and that usually no one that you care about hates you on the other side of the uncomfortable thing uh, it gets, I think it just gets a little easier and easier every time. Still takes a lot of energy. It's like Bill Harmon would say, it's like you're losing relative motion as you get squeezed, but on the other side is something different. 100%. Yeah. So Camilla, is there anything, I have one more question for you, but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything else you wanted to add before I ask you the last question? Uh, before you ask me the last question, what, something I want to talk about is- Yes. Uh, um, I want people to be more curious hmm. because uh, just knowledge is magic. It opens up your mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a lot of people just relying on the information their doctors give them, or even my clients, some of them just are okay with what I tell them instead of doing their own research. And I always try to, um, to push them to do their own research. Not, you don't necessarily have to believe what I say or trust what I say. Um, it makes more sense for you to learn it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm leading curiosity. Maybe because my journey, I wasn't very curious when I started, but I'm super curious now. I, like, I, I never stop. Um, I, I wanna be a sponge. I wanna try to learn as much as possible and then create my, my own thoughts from everything I learned instead of just spitting out words from one person. I like to make my own mix. Mm -hmm. So it's it's big, I'm big in curiosity. Yeah, I think think we can even say that towards towards the healthcare practitioners and clinicians themselves or or strength coaches or, or, or really anyone in that case where so often it seems like people are afraid to make mistakes, like they have to have the right answer. And I mean, in academia, we're sort of taught that way, right? Is you get punished for being wrong. Even, uh, let's say even in a lot of PT programs, I know here at Hassan and Bangor, and I, I think they're trying to make a move away from this, but you can, you have to maintain a certain GPA, like a 3.2 to stay in the program. And some of the tests are hands-on, right? You go and do a, like a live sort of uh, 
you know, didactic and, 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 and then you have to go and actually like do techniques to people. And if you get a low grade on that, you get kicked out of the program. So you can have a 4-0 going into this test and because of potentially, you know, your skill set not being super strong in this one area, or you didn't, or you, you know, trying to get all this material in a three month span that, you know, I've spent two years practicing what we did practice in three months in PT school and to go in there and to put all of this emphasis on do good or else, you know, it sort of sets this, I think it sort of sets the scene as I've talked with some of the other professors of like, if that is what is seen as success is a lack of mistakes. It's not it. And especially when you're talking about things within the test that it's not actually even going to hurt anyone. It's not going to kill them. It just is either maybe an intervention that doesn't particularly reap the benefits you were hoping for. But then shouldn't that turn around and be like, okay, well, what is it? You know, then the question could be, you know, you could pose back to them, hey, you didn't get the outcome you're looking for. Do you think it was because your original hypothesis could have been different? Or was it a lack of execution? Or was it, or do you think it was a variable? It was neither. You know, and then that becomes a learning moment as opposed to right now. I think, I, th- I think curiosity is just strangled by the time people come in, come into. It's a shame um, because I feel like there's not really failure. I used to be so afraid. And that was, I think, one of the things I was afraid in, in PAP um, mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize we need to fail to learn. Mm-hmm. We do need, that's the best learning experience. The things that stuck to my head is when I failed and then I learned. And that, and that is something that, Bill tells us all the time, and I do believe it's the truth. I mean, when he doesn't give us the answer that we want, and he, you know, he make us stumble, it's because when we stumble and we fall and we pick ourselves together again, we learn something important there. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny that my clients know I, I, I never used to be that kind of person, that kind of trainer, but now because I don't know everything, sometimes I'll tell them, you know what? Can you be my guinea pig? Let's see if this works, because I don't know. I honestly don't know if it's going to work. But if it works, we we'll use it again. If not, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. It's not going to be something that hurts you. But if it doesn't work, we'll learn something too. Um, so it's important to understand that, that we need to fail, that failure is just a stepping stone in everything, not just knowledge, like in life. Every time we fail we, and we move forward, we learn something. I love it. It's beautiful. That may have been the answer to my last question. Because my last one was to all of your now clients or past clients or, or potential future clients, is there anything that you'd want to share to them or, or your community that would make their life a little less, a little less suffering or a little easy? It'd be easier. Easier. Well. First of all, be good to yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. I used to be so hard and ACD kind of person. Everything needed to be perfect and life is not perfect. So you need to learn to deal with it. Something I tell everybody that comes to me and they have this 
big, huge fitness goals and weight loss goals, moving better goals, is a little is better than nothing. Don't set these ginormous goals because then you set yourself up for failure. Mm. Well, five minutes of a good thing, if it's all you have, it's better than nothing. Mm. And that's definitely one of the things I stress about with everybody. I used to be the one, you know, all or nothing. I needed to go to the gym for two hours or else it wouldn't be worth it. Really, seriously, it's like five minutes is better than zero. And uh, that's important to me. And also be patient. Mm. Be patient with yourself, be patient with others, be, be patient with your progress. People nowadays, especially really younger people, want things yesterday. They don't have the patience. Time will go anyway, so. I think the, I mean, patience, we, we could almost have, we, we could probably talk about that for, for a while, just the, the, the dichotomy of, the dichotomy of being, of being patient is, it's, it's like, it's sort of this interesting thing to me as of late, at least as I've been making more content, as I've been like, cause there's, you know, there's obviously some patience and things, right. Where, you know, I, I need time. They need time. You know, I need time to get to know what's their, their whole situation. And, 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 and so we, we need reps together. I need lots of data on them. My hope is that each session as we move the needle in the direction for them. And then it's also the sort of the other side of that is, is also if people, the, I've used that when I was younger of sort of harping and, and I know a lot of other PTs do this is it'll sort of harp patience with patients, but they'll harp patients with people that are, that they're caring for. But in reality, they're like, Hey, it's, it's almost a little bit of, it's also part of the business model. It's like, Hey, I need you to come in two to three times a week for the next six to eight weeks, which is fine. But as it goes, even though people are not seeing progress from week to week, they're unable to have that conversation with the patient. They're like, well, you're only three weeks in and you've got five more weeks to go. It's almost like the PT's kicking the can down the road. And, you know, that's eight weeks that that other person doesn't get back. You know, the patient doesn't get back. And I'm not saying that I, that I think the PT's making stuff up, you know, and they might be, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assessing and guessing every one of my sessions, but it's different when you can create a representation with the patient or the client to show, you know, these little steps that we're making, yeah. you know? So it's, I, I, I love to be kind to yourself. You know, I try to, everyone comes in, they're like, Oh, I didn't, I did my exercise for, you know, four days. They asked me to, and I didn't, I missed it yesterday. You know, my, my grandmother was in the hospital. I'm sorry. I didn't do the exercises. It's like, yo, like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm treating right. a person, not a thing. Like, yeah. I'm here for you. Yeah. yeah. It's just part of life. Yeah. Like patience is definitely something that people don't have much of. No. I mean, I don't either. Other people, right? But again, you, you learn it. Mm. It can be learned. Yeah. Wait. That, that's always sort of an interesting thought of like, you can't the people are like oh, i'm just not patient 
okay, well, maybe it's not easy for you, but you can be a little bit more patient. <laughs> you can learn it. <laughs> it's just she like working out. Learn. Yes, absolutely. And as long as you don't go with, with blinders. Yeah. If you're willing to make changes. That's well, like some, it's like some of the, the, in the gaming industry right now, it's, it's like, it's one of the reasons I, I was sort of curious about doing more reading or getting into it is, is it's accepted at this point for like kids to be practicing like 12 to 16 hours a day. And it's like, there's no, there's no research to suggest ever that doing any one thing for that long, like there's a cutoff point. And the more you keep doing it, it's like, oh, if I, cause it's literally the thought process of, if, if I'm not playing this game, someone else is playing and they're getting better than me faster. And it's like, oh. Yeah, probably not, right? Yeah. It's more like a consistency thing, the right amount of time for a longer period than going all in. Yeah, yeah, it's like everyone. And then unfortunately, because yeah, well, that's another thing is they're just, there's all, all this money in these, in these tournaments and the players aren't getting paid a big chunk of the money. They only get paid often if they win the tournament. So it's like, well, all right, that doesn't really seem fair. And that, now you've created a financial situation where you're going to keep eliciting the same behavior of unhealthy training habits. But um, so again, that in that world, they need patience, right? It's like, okay. You're not going to peak at 16 years old. You're probably going to peak, hopefully, in your 25, 26, not retiring at 25. You know, Camilla, I had a blast. This is awesome. Yeah, me too. So much. I, I, I spoke more again than I wanted to. Um, I had, I, I, I loved hearing your story, uh, stories, and. I don't know your 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 positive your positive energy and your curiosity for as long as you've been doing this is I, I hope that I continue to have what I have for as long as you've been doing it. I'm sure you will. because uh, you're <laughs> you are already a great therapist. It's it's always it's still tough to take compliments for whatever reason, but uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> it is for me too. Trust me. Sometimes my clients will throw a compliment at me, and instead of saying thank you, which I think is the right thing to do, I always mm. counteract with another compliment to them. And it was not too long ago, one of my clients, Jill, she said, "Just take the compliment. Just say thank you." I guess cool once again. Be, be kind to yourself. She's telling you to do what you're telling your clients to do. I just say thank you and not throwing some other compliment at them. And... Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, Camilla, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. I, I can't wait to talk to you again. And I know you're going to have a great summer because you're in Maine. So there's no other choice but to have a great summer. Anything yeah. else you'd like to add before we get off? Um, I think that's it. I mean, All I right. talk for hours, but I think I've spoken out with one. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you sometime very soon, probably the next couple of days. All right, my friend, take it easy. Yeah.